Welcome to the Craft Brewed Music Podcast, the official podcast of Craft Brewed Music, the home of small batch streaming. Here we explore better music for serious listeners and those who create it. I'm Brian Horner, founder and curator of Craft Brewed Music, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Aaron Stamen, a Craft Brewed Music artist. So can we talk about why Threshold only has one H? You're talking about why the English language did that? Yeah, like threshold or threshold or threshold. Yeah. Um, I, don't th- I think there's virtually no words in the English language that have a double H. Hmm. Um, and that's your answer? Um, Maybe that would be a answer. good first question for her. Yeah. Okay, threshold in the heart. Why does threshold only have one H? You do realize that's actually how threshold spelled, though, with one H. You're not like, right? Yeah, no, I understand that. That's what I'm. Oh, okay, why. I was wondering. Like, I was like, I was like, like Aaron's into why did you decide to spell? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's no. it's spelled that spelled that way. No, but I think if if we're gonna, I mean, someone's got to own it and be held responsible at some point. I think and she so, should take. I think she should take full responsibility. Yeah, for explaining to the rest of the world why the English language chose to uh, mm-hmm. to render the word threshold in that way because it's really irresponsible and non-phonetic. Yeah. That was our pregame, as we call it. <laughs> and with that ridiculousness out of the way, the, the conversation improved steadily. We had a, a great time talking with Aaron Zindel of Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds. This conversation was a lot of fun, Brian. Um, but uh, my favorite topic that we touched on was the craft of songwriting. This is something that uh, Aaron has uh, spent a lot of time thinking about, working on, and as we learned teaching uh, throughout her years as a uh, musician and a songwriter. And uh, we got to delve a bit into the, uh, that terrifying and illuminating process of sculpting a, a tune, and she had some great things to say. We're going to kick it off with their most recently released single, Curious. Check the tempo, check the pulse. Yes, it's still beating. Check the mail, check numbers off the list. Time is fleeting. Check the attic, where's my mind? Dearly departed. How far yet to happiness? Further still than when we started I'm not afraid of growing older I'm curious to see where my story goes I'm gonna choose my own adventure I wanna know the things that God only Something wiser, so much still unexplored, so much within me. How much time do I have left? Longer if I keep believing. I'm not afraid of growing older. I'm curious to see where my story goes. I'm gonna choose my own adventure. 
One of the things about Curious that struck us was, um, and and this seems to pop up in in a few of your songs, is kind of the thread of of optimism, and mm-hmm. um, you know that in the face of life's challenges and trials and tribulations, um, and that seemed you know seems to pop up. Is that a, is that a conscious thing or, or kind of part of your your uh, worldview? Yeah, it's. Uh an important part of my carefully cultivated worldview. Although I do think I've always been pretty optimistic. I had to, I had to really, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of training myself to, to think positively and have for, for many years. Um, because I, I tend to be really prone towards overthinking and, and prone to depression in my life. And so when I, when I write songs as I'm exploring things that are whatever it is I'm writing about, like exploring the depths of my soul to bring that to light into a song, you know, there's like, I just have, have practiced that attitude of, of, of reframing and, and being able to like find the the good aspects. And it's, it's something I consider now to be, sort of my superpower being able to like see the good and really hard things. And it's, it, mm. it's, it, it definitely was a, a conscious practice over many years of my life. And because of uh, adversity and trial and, and my own struggles with anxiety and depression. You know, uh, so many times songwriting can be observational. It can be a time capsule of a moment or of a feeling. Uh, but in the, you know, in the, in the, in the spirit of kind of self-exploration, introspection, do, do you find the process to be therapeutic? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it's everything. I mean, songwriting is my, of all of the things I do, that is like the thing I, I, I care about most and, and feel most called to do. And it's, it's therapeutic, but it's it also it challenges me on all of the levels that and all of the different skills that um, I've worked my whole life to cultivate, including the interpersonal dynamics and and my own um, you know ex- all all of the the personal stuff of my life. I, it's like fa- having to face that, but also like all of my musical skills and the wordsmithing skills and um, you know, the being able to like put pieces together to create a whole that conveys a story. And so, you know, it's, it's also, it's therapeutic, in other words, to express the feeling, but it's, it's also therapeutic to be able to feel like I'm useful in the world. Like I have a purpose, like by doing this work that I enjoy, putting these puzzles together, to create something that then I can share with people. It also is, you know, that part of it too. It's kind of a a very holistic experience for me. One of our, uh, our favorite lines that Brian and I both kind of (laughs) gravitated to on our first listen was uh, from sometimes honestly, uh, when you talk about being a, uh, uh, a self-improvement junkie and a revelation whore. Ah, there you that, go. That's, 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 <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can say any of what I just said. <laughs> that's, that's a great moment. I love that. 
Thank you. Feel free to just <laughs> feel free to just refer us to your lyrics at any point for answers. <laughs> <laughs> I said it already. <laughs> Optimism, but secretly I still expect the worst. Luck is just a choice you make, but still I often wonder if I am cursed. All my friends are posting pictures, picking flowers in their high heels jeans. And I turn green and blue with envy on the dark side of the rose-colored screen. When I'm living in got a child I know and Aaron's got a couple daughters I've got a daughter um is is songwriting something that that you uh have gotten your your child into as well yeah she gets herself into it it's pretty amazing how kids will mimic what they see their parents doing and how naturally kids I think most kids are natural songwriters they love to just make stuff up and sing and they've got no inhibitions about it so they just you know I see her sometimes and my daughter is seven now. Sometimes I see her like channel, like, I don't know what, but from wherever she's getting it from, she just like taps into this like stream of consciousness that's very poetic and it's rhyming and it's like she's singing and it's completely abandoned of, of like any selflessness. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no filters. Um, yeah. Or self-awareness is what I meant to say there. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's just, it's beautiful to witness. And it's like she already is in the that state that I'm re- constantly reaching for every time I sit down to write. She just is like there and can access it so easily. And obviously she doesn't have like all the experience and the vocabulary and the musical skills that I've developed over the years. But it, But like if I could, with those skills, achieve her level of like, you know, that level of being able to tap straight into it. Sure. That's the goal of that's mastery. Yep. Yep. The, um, you know, your, the, the band's recordings pull in so many styles and influences, which, you know, is what caught my ear for craft brood music and having you on the streaming service. Um, you know, there's, there's pop, there's ska, there's folk, there's rock, there's, you know, on and on and on. Um, Celtic, New Orleans, all these things. When you write a song, and maybe the answer to this is different in the beginning of the band than now, but when you write a song, are there expectations on your part uh, for what the band will bring to that, or um, 
or is it uh do you is that part of the conception of the song in terms of your process it definitely has shifted over the years i've had a lot of different bandmates that i've worked with over the years and um my songwriting process and the sound that i've created over the years with my band has shifted a lot as well so one thing now my brother tj joined the band in 2008 and which was pretty early on he's been in the band for most of the time that we've been a band it's hard to even remember what it was like before he joined but uh yeah, he he's and a huge I, part of the sound and he's amazing yeah, thanks um he's sort of my uh my my main collaborator on on the songwriting and the arranging and like kind of help he we we have a way of communicating um and i don't know if it's because we're siblings and you know there but it seems like that there's something there you know that we can he, he he gets me and he can help me like translate what i'm trying to say like to the the bass and the and the and the drums and you know he he we rarely need to like discuss things it kind of like when I bring it to the band, he kind of knows what to do with it. So it's a really, it's a really great dynamic that, that the two of us have. And then the rhythm section has, has changed over the years, but then, you know, they, you know, we just kind of find, find what the song wants. I really love to experiment and explore. I don't come into a song with it fully written and all of the parts worked out in my mind because I like to try it you know, five different ways before hmm. I'll settle. Once in a while, a song comes fully formed, but most of the time I like to experiment and explore and try, like, what if we try it fast or slow or different ways? Because that's, that's how I, I, I know it when, when I hear it, you know, when we get mm -hmm. there, it's, it's clear, like that's how it should be. I'm very curious about the, uh, the, the process of your songwriting, particularly the, the kind of inception, because when I listen to music, I can usually figure out what the hook was, uh, whether it was a, you know, a, a lyrical turn of phrase or whether it was a particular melody or a set of chord changes for the chorus or like a, a riff on the guitar. I was like, oh, this is what they built the song around. But I listen to your songs. They seem so, uh, so well realized that there's bits. I'm like, oh, that must be the, no, maybe it's that lyric <laughs> thing that's the hook. I don't know. Where was the hook? What was the start of this? And I, I can't tell because they, they seem so, so fully realized. As, as tunes and I, I can't make heads or tails of what the process was. Wow. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think, um, I think the best songs have a lot of hooks, you know, like some, the songs I really love have more, at least more than one hook, you know, some song, especially in the pop world, songs tend to have a hook that just really beats you over the head. Um, and there's there's strength in, in that kind of songwriting. Obviously, those songs are very popular for a reason. Um, but I really like to make each section hooky in a sense, you know, like that 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 it has something memorable. Um, and I, you know, again, my songwriting has really changed a lot over the years. I used to try to do things intentionally that were like I would go against my instincts to like if I wrote a song for example that that had a really 
obvious chord progression. Like I would just shake it up and add a bar of seven and like, you know, really try to stretch it and make it add some more interesting chords because I didn't want to write the songs everybody else was writing. I was like trying to write more interesting stuff. So I would dig deeper and, you know, mess it up and, you know, play around with it more. But now I feel like as I, as I grow as a songwriter, um, and my brother always tells me this, he's like, you know, if, if an idea comes and it feels right, like you can just go with the simple answer. <laughs> Sometimes that is it. So, and it, and it tends to be a little more hooky when I, lately I feel like my songs are even more, um, incorporating more clear hooks than they used to in the past. So it's kind of a shift I've been noticing in my writing. It's like allowing the, the simple med- melody to just be simple. That's taken me a long time to learn. Mm-hmm. Is TJ older than you or younger? No, he's younger. Okay. So did you always make music together growing up? My family sang in the church choir together, and we used to sing at Christmas time. That was really um, important to us. Like My dad was the oldest of nine children, so uh, and they all loved to sing. And some of them ended up in musical theater productions later, and they... Um, we, we would sing at Christmas time, like in four part harmony. And like, that was my favorite, mm-hmm. like part of, like, it was just a great kind of a ex- com- early communal musical experience. And so, yeah, so we sang a lot together. And when we were in high school, uh, TJ and I started a band called Man Overboard and we, we, wrote some songs together and did that for a year. And it was, it was a fun experiment. We, we didn't get along real well back then. And <laughs> then I moved to, and then I moved to Michigan, um, started the Ragbirds a little while later. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned how, uh, in sync you are. That's, you know, I was noticing how, uh, you use your voice to, you know, you can expand your tone or contract your tone and, and use it in a variety of ways to follow the direction of the song, whether it's a modulation or a change in uh, in tone or feel of the song. And he's, he's right there with you every step, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we have this really interesting phenomenon when we're recording where we'll play back, like we'll both just take turns, like tag team, going into the booth and doing harmonies. And like sometimes we'll listen back and we can't tell which one of us sang which harmony. Like listening to the voice, it's like, wait, was that part, was that you or me? Like, because our voices have a real similar quality. Um, and I, I've said this before, but and I perform solo sometimes, and I've been doing, um, you know, collaborating with different artists and singing with different people, and I love harmonizing with people. But there's something about when I sing with my brother that feels like my voice is is full and complete in a way that when I sing on my own, it's like missing something, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's something that, uh, uh, I think Brian and I both noticed when we were listening. I, in fact, I thought it was you at times doing a, a lower harmony vocal. And then I watched a, a video of you guys playing live. I was like, Oh no, that's TJ singing that. Uh, right. because I realized that the, the, the timbre was the same and the way it, uh, embellishes and bolsters your timbre, uh, was the same as on the recording. And it's, it's really, uh, I mean, the, the phrasing is very tight. The, the timbre is so complimentary. It's, it's really, uh, uh, it has a unique way of enhancing your voice. Yeah. Thanks. I, I really, 
I really appreciate that about having him in my band with me. It's been hard lately. Um, we've been, I haven't seen my brother since March and we, he, he lives with a woman. Uh, he has, his girlfriend is, uh, immunocompromised and she's got a lot of health issues. And so when things locked down, he fully locked himself away with her mm -hmm. and they, they haven't left the house. I mean, they, he, he's done a couple of like live streams here and there, but I haven't, you know, we I really haven't seen him and it's been really such a challenge for me to, I you know, you don't, it's so cliche, but you don't know what you have till it's gone. I mean, when you just, you know, how much I relied on, he was just such a constant part of my life. We were always singing and playing together and touring, and we had to cancel so many shows this summer. We had planned a lot of touring this summer, and we were in the middle of recording an album. And when, you know, and I had just, I haven't seen him. I saw him this past weekend for the first time since March, and it was like just from a distance. And, you know, he had, uh, like five masks on his face and he's behind a plexiglass <laughs> shield to perform for this holiday show. And so we're getting ready for that. And, and um, it was, it was good and strange to see him in that way. And it was good. At least we got to sing together from a distance, you know? Yeah. I was going to ask about that in this year of, of no events uh, you found a way to, to pull off what it seems like is a very significant and meaningful annual event that you always do coming up here yeah. on December 12th. Yes. the This holiday show, this is our 13th year putting this show together. And it has meant so much to me and to all of the people who've been involved in it. And, you know, to we've we normally would do the show. We do four performances at the Ark in Ann Arbor, mm -hmm. and all four would be sold out, if or nearly sold out, every year. And we, it's it's like twenty five artists, and many of my, you know, my all of my friends, but you know, many of my like favorite like Michigan musicians that I don't get to see all year round because we're all touring in different directions. And at this one time a year, we come together and we collaborate. And it's not exactly like a like a variety show style where each person just goes and then next and next, next. It's like we actually work together to like, you know, I'll take like the lead singer from a band and put him in front of my, here's the house band and now we're going to write a song together, you know, um, or do a cool arrangement of, of, you know, Christmas song and let's make it really funky and really interesting. And so it's, it's a really creative and collaborative show and it involves a lot of people. And so, and usually we're all packed onto the arc stage. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> It's a real small stage for how many people are there. It's a really, yeah, it's complex. Not so, exactly COVID style. So how did you pull that off this yeah. year? So we're in, we're in the process of filming the songs for the show we're going to be doing on the 12th. We will be performing four songs live in interspersed amongst those live performances will be these pre-recorded videos where I have like the house band set up. We're in a huge warehouse space. We've just basically like created a TV studio in this huge space and yeah. everybody has 
plenty of distance between us and we're masked and, you know, the strictest protocol because of people like my brother in this situation, you know, I want him to come into this and feel safe. And, you know, we take, you know, the precautions very seriously. So we've been just, you know, just starting the process, but we've got more songs this weekend. We're going to do, um, we've got horns and fiddles and, you know, the, the, background vocals and you know just layers of stuff and it's it's really exciting I've got some really great musicians that are joining me as as we do every year and it's a great honor and I'm I'm really I feel very lucky that we can still pull it off this year but it's definitely it's been a lot of challenges to do it and we're ha we have to raise all the money in advance too which has been a big challenge. We have to raise like $35,000 to make it work. So we're, we're getting there, but, uh, we've had business sponsors and people that are donating to help us to, to do it because this show means a lot to a lot of people. That's great. Uh, how, how do people find it? <laughs> we're going to be live streaming on December 12th from the Ragbirds Facebook page. Also from eBird and Friends and the Native Howl Facebook pages and on the Ragbirds YouTube channel as well. Great. If I could return to the uh, the songsmithing uh, topic and um, concentrate more specifically on lyric writing, which is uh, a struggle for, for many of us. Um, one of the things that strikes me about your, your lyrics is the, uh, is the imagery. And there, there are certain images that are conjured immediately in song. One of the songs this really comes out for me is And We Carry the Place.
up where I did on a country road lined with Queen Anne's lace and a uh, a field of milkweed uh, between my yard and the stream, those images mm-hmm. immediately uh, resonated with me when I heard it. And I really like that kind uh, of lyric writing. Uh, and I'm wondering, um, is that uh, a common starting place for you where you have a particular set of images in mind that uh, that you begin with? Mm. Yeah, thank you for for drawing attention to that. And it's um, it's my favorite way to start is with not just start, but it's my favorite way to create a song is to 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 dig until I find the image that feels like it is saying what I'm feeling. You know, so when I so I will write a lot for every song that ends up you know a written set of lyrics i write a lot of material that doesn't get included in that song i do a lot of free writing i'm also a songwriting instructor so i i've been teaching well i've taught for like eight years at at interlochen arts academy and uh in the summertime and and i love teaching songwriting because i love and i love to talk about it um because you know there's there's this place that I go to that I practiced going to there's this place I go to when I write that is like I always describe it as like I'm as a just deep dive and the the longer I can stay under and really just you know uh hold my breath and just stay in it in the flow uh the more that's where the really good images come and when i practice this type of writing which i do regularly is is um i find that i get better and better and better at it and that is exactly the thing it's being able to find like just an image like i can throw out like a hundred words and just keep one image and that's like what i'm what i'm the way that I find my songwriting improving over the years is in that way. I'm getting better at that. I can go, I can go deeper, faster. I can stay there longer and I can find better images and I can kind of sort through and more important, most importantly, be willing to let go of all of the stuff that just isn't necessary. Hmm. Editing is, is the hardest part for a songwriter. (laughs) Once you you conceive it all, you think it has to be in there and, uh, you know, putting the, uh, putting the microscope to it and 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 cutting out what uh, was ex- what is in the end extraneous is is sometimes a, a painful thing for the beginning songwriter yeah it was really hard for me for a long time i didn't because it all felt it was all so good and it was like it came out of me like this so i mean i thought it was good it really wasn't but it, i thought it was so good at first and I'm always kind of so in love with the process that everything as I'm writing it just feels like, oh, that's gold. This is great. And then later, a week later, even, I'm like, oh, my God, that was terrible. <laughs> what was I? <laughs> that's just blather, you know? And so so I love the editing process and have learned to, you know, just hold loosely to the stuff that comes. I can just, when you write regularly, it's just like you can more easily let go. And when I used to just only sit down to write, um, like I'm trying to write a song and it's like, it's like every word feels like 
so heavy and so important and I need to keep it and it's so precious and um, I can let go of it more easily now, which is the greatest, I think that's my greatest skill lately. And so what's the life cycle of a, of a song? Does that, does that imply that, that it takes a fairly relatively long time to, to create a song? Yeah, I, yeah, it, that is, tends to be true. I mean, I, I wrote a song in the last uh, couple of weeks that I'm going to be performing in this show. So, what, you know, that one came together pretty fast. But I'm still kind of sweating over the edits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TBD. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We're going to take a quick intermission for a word from our sponsor, which is, well, us. Craft Brood Music is a curated streaming service that streams better music for serious listeners. We'll help you discover music off the beaten path so that you become the person your friends turn to for recommendations. And we split our income with the artists, which allows you to support this important music. It's $5 a month or $50 a year, less than a latte. We're the Small Batch streaming app, available at the App Store and at Google Play. Or to hear samples and find out more about us, visit craftbroodmusic.com. Let's listen to another one of our favorites off the Threshold and the Hearth album. This is The Curse of Finger Pointing. very accomplished at a number of instruments you know your piano playing is gorgeous obviously fiddle is a big part of your your sound and your and your writing and some of the um 
string section accompaniments. And I don't, I don't know if you're using other players or layering that, but um, it, it made me wonder, you know, some of it is, is, you know, as we were talking about all the styles that come into your music, some of it is almost classical as well. And between your vocal control and those elements, I wondered if you'd had, you know, if there was classical training in there in your past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was classically trained on violin and piano growing up. I played with a lot of orchestras and with the the Greater Buffalo Youth Orchestra, which is like the Junior Philharmonic in Buffalo. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm so grateful for that experience growing up, and that I was able to become fluent in in writing and understanding music, all the theory, and being able to play orchestrally. Um, though I don't do that anymore now, um, I'm glad that I can utilize those skills in my songwriting too. For some people, there's a conflict between classical training and, you know, playing violin, for example, and playing fiddle, you know, same instrument, very different approach, very different style. Was there a, a, a turning point or, or were those things always able, did you always have the freedom to have those things coexist? No, it was, it was, um, like when I was a teenager and started to like want to explore other styles of music, I started with Celtic first because both of my grandmothers are Irish and I just felt a connection to the, the Celtic music that they loved so much or my, one of them wasn't around, but um, anyways, just that connection to like my ancestry. So I started playing Celtic music and it, you know, it took me a while to really like a lot of failed attempts and a lot of like, I don't know, improvisation was, was something it took me a long time to develop, but you know, just, I really enjoy that now. And it is, it, it wasn't like a a revelatory, like switch. It was just a gradual like process of throwing myself into the fray and just sitting in and jamming with people and, you know, making a fool of myself. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. (laughs) eventually I figured out what works, you know, easier said than done. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> did you did you have a, a a fiddle guide through any of this process? Not really, not really. I, I had a great teacher in the through the classical training, but then after that, I just you know just listened to a lot of music and just played with other people and yeah, kind of guided myself, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Of all the, uh, the the fiddle worlds that you draw from, the uh, the Celtic music and. Uh, Appalachian music. Uh, the one, the one that really gets me is the uh, is the the gypsy violin, mm-hmm. and uh, that seems to come through in uh, in breakdown.
that, you know, passionate, you know, minor scale, just like digging into that with the bravado. And it's, it's because it, it's so contrary to my nature. It's fun to like explore that. Like I tend to be an introverted, um, quiet person, very reserved. I, I was, I think performing and writing music has helped me to explore the edges of my own personality and really challenge myself to be more than I would have thought I could be. Well, you mentioned that, you know, songwriting is the, the, the of the artistic things you do the most, uh, the thing you're most comfortable in. And um, the, the video for Breakdown, there's, there's the costuming and the dancing and, and all of that. And I noticed that you, I think, painted the cover for the Threshold and the Hearth album. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how comprehensive are your artistic endeavors? What, what are some other things that you're into? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I do visual art as well, mostly for the sake of the, you know, when, when the music needs art to represent it, I'll create that. The, all of our album covers, I've had some hand in, whether I've designed it myself or uh, did the original drawing that then I sent to an artist to paint that drawing. Um, so and Threshold and the Hearth was the first one that I did that painting um, myself. And I also like have created our Halloween costumes everywhere. That was every year that's been another really fun like expression of the like visual art skills, I guess. Because I, I don't really have a lot of time to, to work as an artist because the music takes all of my time. Sure. And these days, homeschooling my seven-year-old takes all of my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, 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 did you make the wings is what I want to know. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's been a really fun, that's been a really fun addition to our, our set. I mean, I kind of hinted at wings in the past, but have been wearing wings on stage for the last year since we've rebranded as Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds. And really represented like uh, that change for me and really stepping into the role of the the front woman of the band, which sounds silly because I've always been the front woman of the band. But I started off in a from a place where I didn't um, like when I first started the band, I was uh, I put an ad in the paper looking for a lead vocalist to sing my songs because I wanted to write them. I just didn't think I could be a lead singer. And so I didn't have any confidence in myself and only through the process of recording the songs did I, you know, and, and through the encouragement of, of a few friends around me, was I able to like kind of get a vision for like, maybe I could sing this, <laughs> maybe I could do this. But it was a real reluctant role taking that like, you know, front person role. And so you know, 15 years later, I'm like, finally like, oh, hey, yeah, this is my band. (laughs) I'm going to lead it. And it's going to be, you know, it just, you know, went through, I went through a lot of, a lot of changes in that year. And and this, this uh, split from my, my husband in the last year has been um, a huge part of that as well. So um, yeah, redefining myself on a new level and finding new confidence so you you mentioned you know different uh projects you're working on you got a new album you're working on and a new duo you've been doing some work with alex and aaron um 
and uh, we, we were talking about optimism, and Aaron had an interesting uh, observation about that. Oh yeah, we were talking about yeah. It's really it's a common theme in all her music, and then there's like, oh yeah, then it's this latest thing she's doing. It's like the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse yeah. uh, theme. I was like, well, I guess that's I guess that maybe that's a departure from her usual. Event. Well, it's 2020. Yeah, yes. right. Uh, that is optimism in 2020. <laughs> maybe they'll come for us. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, my friend, my friend Alex Holy Cross, uh, he plays with a band called the Native Howl. And they are, they're like a thrash grass, right? It's like heavy metal and bluegrass and very aggressive, like real dark themes, a lot of like doom and destruction and like death and all of that. Right. So, and Alex is great. He's a really great songwriter and he's really good at writing like dark, heavy, like angry songs. And so last year, like I was coming out of this really ugly scenario and I was talking with Alex about songwriting and I was like, I don't know how anybody processes stuff like this, like real trauma in their life without songwriting. Like how do non-songwriters survive stuff? And he, and I, we were talking about how important that is to both of us. And he said, um, that, uh, you know, he's like, well, we should write a song together. And I, and I was coming up to his studio to record a violin track for one of his clients because he has a recording studio. And I was like, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a try because we are so different in our songwriting approach. And I, you know, I was really hoping that – I said I was hoping that he could help me write from a place of, like, righteous anger and, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. really being able to, like, write from the dark emotion I was feeling – because, I mean, I was completely crushed. And every other, I've been through a lot of dark seasons of my life. But but I didn't really write those songs until after I got through the hard season and had a some perspective on it, you know? It's like I could write about the dark stuff I've been through after I got through it. But I could see that I was in the middle of a season that not only did I need to write this stuff, but it was going to be in it for a really long time. This is not going to be something I get through anytime quickly. So I knew I, I needed to like really explore a different way of songwriting. And so I leaned into Alex to help me do that. And so we got together and started to play and found this really amazing connection uh, where, you know, we can kind of like, like I kind of bring out a softer side of, of him and he bring he I can like really dig in and be aggressive with my fiddle playing and like be loud with my voice and seeing the stuff I'm really feeling that's dark and heavy and hard and like and he can handle it he can support it he can like frame it and he's got the like he's such an aggressive guitarist and the sound that we're creating and the songs that we're writing together I am just really thrilled to present to the world so it's been a project we've been developing over the last year writing just tons of, we've written like dozens of songs already. And we've, um, we just started in May performing, which is like crazy time to be launching of a new project, right? Yeah. We can't actually perform. Um, we've done a few live streams and we've done a few little, um, you know, socially distant shows, Mm -hmm. but we're going to be digging in and really recording that material this winter so that hopefully when we can get back to playing shows again, we can 
hit the ground running with this stuff. So, um, and I still find a way to put a happy, like positivity into it. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Can't resist. Yeah. We still put that. We do like dig into some of the themes of like, uh, like the, the horseman of the apocalypse is definitely, um, writing about, about, you know, depression and destruction and like anger and, um, yeah, we, I don't know. I feel like we, we have a way of, of being able to handle those subjects, um, that I wasn't able to do before he came along. <laughs> so we've got a, a new Ragbirds album to look forward to as well as yeah. Alex and Aaron. Yeah. In, in 2021. That's great. Well, the new Ragbirds album too, something interesting about that. I was writing those songs as I was going through this big split and all of this difficult stuff. Um, and I found that the I was writing certain songs from that higher minded perspective of like curious is a great example of this hopeful message through these hard times. But I also have a lot of Ragbird songs that came out that I was working on with the band that were a lot darker. One of them is called new story that, um, we had been had debuted and had been playing live frequently, and there's some YouTube videos of us playing that song, and it's going to be on the the new album. But the, these songs didn't feel like they fit together on the same album. I felt like I was two I had two different sides of me, and so we had decided what we were working on creating wasn't just an album; it was actually uh, a double EP. Hmm. So that it was actually, we were going to release it as, uh, not that we would call it this, but like one is representing the upside, one representing the downside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just kind of some of the darker ragbirds sound being on the downside album and some of those like subjects being there. And the the hopeful message being on the upside and then having that available like, together and like the vinyl only or something like that, you know, or mm -hmm. release it as two separate that's, EPs. That's a great idea. And, and, and you're, you're, you're uh, preaching to the right, uh, uh, the right choir here. Brian and I are definitely people who listen to albums and not singles. So that, that conceptual yeah. approach is something that uh, resonates with both of us. Mm -hmm. And so is that still going to, going to happen? Yeah, we're working on that, that we, that's what we were in the middle of recording. Um, and so hopefully over the winter, if we can figure out a way for my, for the Ragbirds to be able to record remotely, cause it's going to be a yeah. while before we can play together. Right. So that's, that's the challenge that we have to overcome right now. Well, hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel and, and all of these things can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got so many songs that have not yet been recorded and it's a crazy feeling to have so much output, like, between the stuff I've written, solo material, stuff with Alex, stuff for the Ragbirds, that just, it's like, I feel like the world really hasn't heard, like, anything I've been doing, <laughs> like, where I am right now, like, isn't out there yet, it's not, there's nothing to show for it yet, but it's, it's, it's coming, <laughs> it's a whole new thing. I'm not afraid of
Thanks for listening. For info on the Craft Brewed Music streaming service, visit craftbrewedmusic.com. Please feel free to rate, review, and share the show. See you next time.